Well, today we're going to be focusing on the word newness. Somebody say newness. You know, the newness of a year. Um, I honestly, if I'm honest with you, sometimes I fight coming into a new year. You know, because sometimes it feels like so much work to kind of get all the energies to get all the new stuff and get all excited for the new year. And sometimes, um, sometimes it's a struggle, struggle, but I'm believing today that, that God just wants to bring newness to the house. And it has nothing to do with you conjuring up emotion and feeling and, and you doing stuff on your own. It has everything to do with the Holy Spirit just bringing some newness in you. I love what Ephesians 4 and 23 says. It's, it's going to be up on the screen. Paul says this, instead, instead let the Spirit renew. You see that? Who does the renewing? The Spirit. The word renew means make new again. Did you know that when God originally created us, he created us perfectly in the garden to be a perfect image of him. And and that's really the renewal that he wants to do in us. He wants to bring us renewed back to the way we were created. Well, what part of us are you wanting to renew, God? What part of us? Well, Paul says, let the spirit make you new where? In your thoughts and in your attitude. And how does the spirit do this? Verse 24, he says, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous. In other words, you are truly righteous if you're in Christ. You are truly holy if you're in Christ. Righteousness and holiness is not a work from you. It's a work that he does. Anybody grateful for that today? And I want us to notice there's two things going on in the scripture. Two things that almost can appear contradictory. We see in verse 23, the first thing we see is Paul is saying the spirit renews us. Newness is all on God. But in the very next verse, he says, hey, you also have a part in this newness process. And it's called putting on the new nature, putting on the new you. You can write this down if you want. Newness is all on God, but you must participate in the process. See, when you put your new self on, you're just cooperating with what the Spirit of God is doing in the renewal process. So uh, over the break, my wife was cleaning out our house. And, and imagine somebody was coming to clean out the closet at your house as my wife did this last week. She bagged up all my clothes that didn't fit me. I mean, it was amazing. I had like a whole side of the closet to myself and it was full. And when she was done with it, it was like, where did all my clothes go? There's like, there's nothing left here. And it is, it's interesting to me, in a sense, Krista did all the heavy lifting. She took all the old away and left only the new. And in a sense, this is kind of like what God does for us. And see, I have a part to play in this thing too. See, I could go out to the garage and to the old bags of clothes. <clears throat> Maybe I did that and like peek through to kind of see what all got thrown away to see if like maybe I want to keep some of that old stuff just in case. And, And my part is just to trust him with what he put in the bag and leave it in the bag and only put on the new stuff. Today, we're going to suggest three practical things that we can put on to participate with God and the newness that he has for us in 2024, the first thing we could put on is this new disciplines. Somebody say disciplines. Oh man, disciplines almost feels like a four letter cuss word. You know, it's like, it just feels like a strong one. 
It may be scary, but here's the reality. God has made each one of us for a specific way. You know that, right? You have a specific set of giftings and you have a calling. And here's what Paul says about disciplines in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. Paul says, I discipline myself. I discipline my body. And if we were to say, well, how, Paul, how do you discipline your body? He said, well, I discipline it like an athlete. You know, when somebody's really talented and they're an athlete, a really good coach gives them a set of disciplines to follow. And those disciplines say, get up at this time because it's good for you. Work out this part of your legs because it's good for you. Do this many push-ups because it's good for you. Eat this way because it's good for you. This is my set of disciplines for you. It's, it's not the like, hey, you're in trouble. You're about to get a whooping discipline. It is like, discipline myself because it is good for me. It's going to help build me into who God has called me to be. Does anybody like see some space in your life and you look at it and you go, God has not called me to be that? Anybody? Let's just be honest this new year. Raise your hand real high and just be, just, just say, just call it out. There's some stuff in me that just go, that doesn't fit me. That belongs in the bag. And so we're going to put on some new disciplines today. And I want to introduce you to a tool called a rule of life. This rule of life tool has helped me identify some of the disciplines and the way I should build my life out so that I can walk and put on this new nature that God has specifically asked me to live out. Uh, a rule of life was developed in the early 4th and 5th century uh, by Christians, and they would design their life around a set of disciplines. And these disciplines included different things like, like work life and relationships and spiritual life, and, and it even included rest. And they would focus on these things so that it could bring about the new life in Christ. I love what the psalmist says in chapter 40, verse number 8. The psalmist says, I desire to do your will. Does anybody desire to do his will? You know, his will includes us being good stewards of putting on the right disciplines in our life and the right patterns and, and the right habits and the, and the right stuff. And I want to help you get started this morning. As, as we said earlier, this service is a little different than normal. Um, you know, we're just kind of it's not like a heavy preaching. We're, we're just worshiping. We want to give opportunities for you to listen to the Lord today. And so I want to help you suggest some ways to create your own rule of life. So this is time for you to do some work, okay? So we're going to give you space to do some work this morning. And, and in fact, um, on the screen, there's going to be a, a QR code for those of you who want to dig a little deeper into the rule of life. Um, you can snatch that QR code. It's also in the notes as well with, with a lot more details. But I just want to get you started today, okay? Anybody ready for a little bit of work? When we're developing a rule of life, the first question we need to ask ourselves is this. It's on the screen. It's what nurtures me? What nurtures me? And this is where, when we're building our rule of life, we're discovering activities and people and, and things and that, that contribute to our newness process. And so for you, you might want to include some spiritual activities like prayer and going to church and Bible reading. And these are all good. But I want you to think even more broadly. And I want you to think about your relationships. Like, what relationships nurture me? And how should I be investing in those relationships that nurture me? Think about your work life. 
How, how do I feel successful in my work life? Like, what do I need to do on the daily in my work world or in my, if I'm in school, what do I need to do in my school life to make sure that I'm successful? I'm becoming the person that God wants me to be. Maybe we need to nurture some friendships and, and then also the category of rest. How many know that God wants us to get rest and we're no good about that in America? I mean, our pride stamp is, man, I've been working really hard. I've been busy. But God wants us to be rested up because how many know, especially towards the end of the year, you know how wore out you begin to feel. So when it comes to you thinking about what nurtures you in the area of rest, think of hobbies and activities that bring life to you, that that nurture your spirit. It could be things like cooking and painting, or maybe it's reading, or maybe it's sports or physical activities. Maybe for you, it's traveling, but I want you to just list all of these things down. So we're just going to give you about 30 seconds or so to just grab your phone, get your notes, and just take a few moments and, and just lift, list off some things that nurture you. We're not going to give you a ton of time. Just, just get started. So go ahead right now. Take a couple moments. What nurtures you? thought to yourself, that was nowhere near enough time. Remember I said, we're just going to get you started. So this is something that you want to just take into your daily life. Here's the next question you need to ask yourself when you're developing your rule of life. And the question is this, it's what drains me? What drains me? Ephesians 5, I'm going to paraphrase this. Paul says this, he says, be careful how you spend your time so that it doesn't drain the life out of you. There are things and there are people and there are places and there are hobbies and there are habits and there is stuff and there is rhythms that just drain you. And it's important for us to take a moment and identify the things that drain the life out of us. And in just a moment, we're going to write some of these things down, but part of developing a, a balanced rule of life has to include you being clear on what you need to say no to. You being clear on what you need to set limits around. You being clear on what you need to eliminate. For example, if part of your uh, rule of life is I'm going to get up early and do things different in the morning, then then maybe you need to limit how late you stay up at night. And you just that's just I'm just trying to be practical here. You would just say, Hey, I'm going to go to bed by this time. I'm going to say no to staying up late so that I could be my best self in the morning. You see how simple that is? And I want to just kind of make a little balance statement here. How many know that, that life does just drain us? And that's just a part of life. But just because something's draining doesn't mean we get to say no to it. Doesn't mean we eliminate it out of our life. I mean, we all could say, man, work is draining. Like, like I'm not saying just quit your job. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying 
parenting is hard and sometimes my marriage is hard. No, that's not what we're saying today. But we're saying you need to limit you around things that you would make you a better you so that you have more to give to things like your family and your marriage and your kids and, and the workplace. You know, Jesus was drained by good things all the time. We, we saw that he was drained by preaching and caring for needs and laying hands on people and healing people. And, and he was drained, but he never quit those things. He just limited how much he did them. And he would go away and he would be with the father to be filled back up, to get back out there and, and do what God has called him to do. The discipline of limitations is our way of just saying, saying, no, no, this doesn't fit me. This belongs in the bag. It's not who God has created me to be. I'm not going to work six or seven days a week. I'm going to limit that. And I'm going to give time to the relationships that matter. I'm going to give time to spiritual activities and things that bring me rest. So let's just take another 30 seconds and just list off some of these things that are draining or that you need to put limits around. Again, I'm sure it's not enough time, <laughs> but the thing is, what we want you to do is we want you to take these questions, what nurtures me, what drains me, and we want you to design your life around the things that nurture you and limit the things that drain you. And you want, we want you to, to take this home with you and look at your schedule, look at your future, look at this year and go like, how can I design a rule of life? How can I um, implement disciplines into my life that will help me to put on this new discipline so that I can live a life that is nurtured and not drained. Amen. And so that's what we believe the father has for you this year. If you will um, do the work, uh, we just got you started this morning, but take that paper home with you, scan that QR code. And, and there's like, it takes you even deeper. Um, but I just encourage you, Sean and I have done this as a family. Our staff has done this um, where we've made a rule of life where we say, these are the things that are non-negotiable in our life. And we are going to schedule them into our days and into our weeks and into our year. Um, and it's going to become a part of who we are and how we serve the Lord. And, and it has made a huge difference um, in us and, and us being able to serve and to minister and to love out of fullness instead out of instead of out of emptiness. Amen. And we just, that's what we want for you this year to add those disciplines so that you can live life out of fullness. And so we're talking about this morning, what we need to be able to put on in order to participate with God in this newness process that he has for us. And so first we need to put on some new disciplines. And then the second thing we need to put on is a new disposition. Can you say new disposition? 
So what is a disposition? A disposition is the way you view life and the world around you, whether it's positive or negative. Um, This includes your attitudes, your tendencies, and just your overall mindset. How many of you think we maybe need a new disposition, right? You know, in the opening text that Sean read um, at the beginning of the message, it says to let the spirit renew our thoughts and our attitudes. What, what Paul was saying is that we need to put on a new disposition. Um, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. Man, that is some really good news this morning. We get, he's given us a new disposition. We just need to put it on. You see, we cannot afford to be walking around like the old versions of ourselves when God has given us something new to put on. Like we cannot afford to walk around like the old way and the old nature in our old sin and death and and ugly life. When God has given us this beautiful, brand new, new, new life, new disposition, new nature to put on. But here's the thing. We have to be involved in the process. We have to put it on. You know, in order to put something new on, sometimes we got to take something else off, right? You don't want to just like walk around. You, you, if you get, how many of you got some new clothes for Christmas? Anybody? I got some new kicks for Christmas. I was pumped about my new shoes. I couldn't wait to wear them this morning. Uh, but you get new clothes, right? Well, well, you don't just put the new clothes on top of the old ones, right? Like that's, that's ridiculous. And so I think it's time for us to maybe take off and put off some of the old stuff that's not serving us in our new life with Christ. So here's just a few examples of some things that you may need to take off today. Um, you may need to take off worry and anxiety. You may need to take off worry and anxiety. You know what? I love this quote that says, worry pulls tomorrow's clouds over today's sunshine. So many times we are worrying about things in the future that we have no control over and that may not even happen. And we're just, we we have this sunshine right here, but instead of living the life that God has given us right here and being joyful and content, we go, oh, but maybe something's bad over there. So I'm going to pull that cloud over me and worry and have anxiety and be anxious about all those things. No, it's time to put off that stuff and it's time to put on some trust, right? The trust in the Lord that he has it. You know, we also need to put off comparison, Put off comparison. You know what? Stop looking to the right or to the left. Stop looking at what other people have or what other people don't have, what other people are doing or what they're not doing, and just worry about yourself. Worry about yourself. You see, comparison is the thief of joy, and it will either make you feel superior or it will make you feel inferior, and neither one honors God. Right? So, so when you compare yourself to others, you either go like, oh, I feel pretty good because I'm way, doing way better than them. Well, that's not godly. Or if you feel inferior, you're like, I'll never make it. I'll never be as good as them. Uh, wah. Well, that's not godly either. Right? God has set before us a race for us to run. Run your race. Put your blinders on and go after God and what he has for you and stop comparing. 
Another thing that you need to take off is uh, offense and unforgiveness. Offense, man, this world is so offendable. It feels like you can't even breathe without offending someone or you becoming offended, right? It is time for us to put off offense. It is time for us to begin to forgive. You know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting on the other person to die. It doesn't work that way, right? And when we live in unforgiveness, when we live in offense, it doesn't hurt that person. All it does is keep us in bondage. We're all bound up. We have no freedom to move and live because that just unforgiveness and that offense just keeps us so bound up. And it is time to drop the chains and let it go. Another thing we need to put off and let go of is negative talk. Yee, negative talk. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21 says this, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled with the harvest of their lips. They are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, what is that scripture saying? If I could just sum it up in one statement, I would say this scripture is saying, you will have to reap the harvest that your mouth has sowed. You will reap the harvest that your mouth has sowed. And so this year, I believe it is time for us to put off negative talk, to stop sowing seeds of negativity and of doubt and of gossip and of a critical spirit. Let go of those things off so that you can reap something beautiful so that you can reap something uh, full of joy and peace and and all of the things that God has for you instead of reaping the harvest that your mouth has sown so not only do we need to put off those things but we've got to put on this new disposition we've got to put on this new nature that we have been given in the spirit and and this new nature here's what it looks like it looks like holiness It looks like righteousness. You know, as we begin to walk in our new nature and we begin to produce the fruits of the spirit. And so, so this is what our disposition should be this year. Our disposition should be love. We should love people that are hard to love. We should love people that don't love us back. Why? Because it's not in us, but it's the spirit coming out of us. That new disposition, that love should overflow. We should have joy, not the kind of joy that just matters. If I had a good day, I had joy. If I had a bad day, I'm mad, I'm depressed, I don't have joy. No, a joy that comes from the spirit, from this new disposition that says, I have joy because of Christ. Not a circumstance, not a situation, but a spirit. I have peace. You got to put on that peace, that peace that even in chaos, The the peace that even when it doesn't make any sense at all, that the spirit gives you peace. That is his fruit. We've got kindness. I'm tired of sourpuss and mean Christians. That's not who God has called us to be. That's not the disposition of a believer. The disposition of a believer is kind. The disposition of a believer is good. It's faithful. We're gentle. And and the disposition of a believer is that we have self-control. 
These are the things that we need to put on and that we need to begin to walk in. You see, if you are in Christ, all of those fruits that I just mentioned, they are available to you, but you've got to put them on. You have got to walk in it. God wants us to participate in our own transformation. We're going to kind of go into the last part of our service for today. And I want to mention the last thing that we need to put on. And I think this is the perfect environment for it because I just feel just a faith. How many feel like a faith, a level of faith is just arisen in the room and our mindset and our, and our thoughts. The last thing we're going to put on today to participate with Jesus in the newness process is new dreams, new dreams. Why would somebody need to put on new dreams? Well, Paul said, let the spirit renew your thoughts. Do you know that dreams are attached to thoughts? They're attached to our imaginations. And we can never dream for God to do something in our life or through us without the right thoughts about him and the right thoughts about ourselves, and the right imaginations about him, the right imaginations about ourselves. Did you know that dreams, they actually reveal our expectations of God? And that's kind of hard. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of hard sometimes. Sometimes we have real big expectations for God to do things. And then there's sometimes when something just kind of lingers around in our life for a long time. It's not changing or we're praying for somebody. It's not changing the way we want it to. Our expectations can kind of start to go like this. You know, it just means that God's on a time scale that doesn't line up with you. That's all. That's all that means. That doesn't mean that he's not interested in it. It means that he's got a will and he's got a way and it's just different than yours. But we could still keep our expectation up here when things around us don't seem to be changing because it's on God's time clock, not ours. And I want to I wanna just kind of bring a little bit of balance to this word dream and what I'm saying today. You know, there are some seasons where God calls us to dream big. And, and it's about the big shiny and, and future and dreams or, or maybe it's a new business or, or maybe like maybe you've been waiting for that spouse, that helpmate, that marriage partner when you've been praying for a long time. Maybe, maybe God's like, hey, hang on to that. That thing's coming. But, but dreams are not about just shiny new things. You know, sometimes when you come out of a difficult season, it's not a season to dream for big shiny new things. It's a season to dream for healing. And I went through a season one time where I kept trying to go, God, where's that big shiny thing? And God's like, I'm trying to heal you. You're, you're on the ER table, dude. It's not time to get up and run. It's time to sit and lay and let me do something in you. Let me heal you. Let me touch you. Let me restore you. So I don't know what season you're in. You might be a season where you need a dream for new shiny and you choose to dream on, but you might be coming out of a difficult season and God is saying, lay down and let me bring wholeness to you. You know, I think of some people in the Bible who just, man, they dreamed really big. We can think about guys like Joseph, man. He had incredible dreams of the future, despite that he was the lowest man on the totem pole among all of his brothers. And how many know that he had a ton of difficulty in his life, but yet he dreamed big. And how many know that God made his dream? It was actually God's dream, not his. His dream came to fruition. 
We think about people like Esther. Esther was uh, an orphan girl who was raised by her cousin Mordecai. And, and she dreamed of confronting the king on, on behalf of God's people and how they were being treated in that kingdom. And, and she could have let her fears distract her, but she just stepped right through her fears and she stepped right into her dream and she confronted the king and became Queen Esther. And, and here's the thing. How about you? What do you dream? What do you expect God to do in your life? I believe today that we're going to give you an opportunity to begin to put words to your dreams. And again, this is, this is one of those things that we're just going to want to initiate a moment for you and God to just get together and think through some things in your life. Uh, William Carey, he's the known as the father of modern Protestant missions. He said this, he said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. If you don't expect anything for God, from God, you're never going to attempt any big things for God. Someone else said, God can do great things through those who don't limit themselves with small dreams. Anybody been there before? I have. So we want to give you an opportunity right now to do something that we're calling a letter to God. And I want to talk to you about a few things that you might want to write in your letter to God as we prepare and we set the stage for 2024. In this letter, you might want to share new dreams with him. And to help spur your thoughts on during this process, I want you to ask yourself this question as you're thinking about writing. You're going to ask questions like this. What would, what would you look like what would you like for him to do in you this year? Sorry. What would you like for him to do in you this year? And, and aim big, aim high. What type of new passions would you like to see stir up in you? New desires stir up in you. New freedoms stir up in you. New strongholds broken. New dreams, new, new ideas. And maybe you would want to ask him, Lord, what do you want to do among my community through me. Like, what do you want to do through me among my community, among my friends and family, my workplace, my, my church, the world around me? And, and before you begin writing, I want to just read Proverbs 16.3. The writer says this, commit whatever you do to the Lord and he will establish your plans.